Welcome to The Hormone Suite, where we talk about all things hormonal and how our hormones can positively or negatively govern our lives. We examine the intersection between our external and internal environments and empower you to become hormonally literate. This podcast was created to demystify and destigmatize hormones so that you can become part of a new generation of people who are the masters of their own health. I'm Talia Minot. And I'm Gemma Martin. And we're very excited for you to join us on this journey. Welcome to this week's episode of the Hormone Suite podcast, sponsored by the Hormone Suite Clinic, your one-stop shop to all things hormonal. I am your host, Talia Minot, and my name is Gemma Martin. And today we're going to chat about PCOS. But firstly, let's have a little chat about our hormonal hails and fails. And it's been a while between episodes with me and Gem. It's been a lot going on in the clinic and life in general. So yeah, let's have a reflection on that. Yeah, it's been a pretty wild ride for the last couple of months. I'm moving house and I've been renovating and had a lot going on. The clinic's been busy. And so I stopped taking some herbs. Uh, I had been taking chase tree to help with my PMS and lengthen my cycle out a little bit. And this is not a recommendation for anyone to start taking chase tree. Mm. Um, It's just what I, you know, I'm a herbalist and that's what I've been doing. And my cycle really shortened down to 22 days, which I was a bit bummed about because I thought, oh, it's not really doing anything. And, you know, I'll, I'll just leave it. I'm, I'm taking a lot of herbs like I don't need it. And then I sort of had this light bulb moment where I was like, darling, you're in the peri. You know, this is how Woo! it happens. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to have a slightly longer cycle, it's a bit annoying getting your period every 22 days. Then I'll probably just need to take those herbs until I shift over into the post peri, uh, the postmenopausal phase. But my f- that was so that was my fail, I suppose. It felt a bit like a I was a bit like, oh damn, that's right. It was actually doing something. That that 26 day cycle was me actually really working it. But my hail was that I just it was really smooth and like really emotionally smooth for me. And usually, you know, historically, my premenstrual period is where I suffer the most and have tension and anxiety and, you know, grumpiness with my kids and stuff. But um, it was really smooth and I felt really great. And so I'm kind of pumped for this next phase of my hormonal life. And yeah, I'm just going to support myself as best as I can. I feel like it's really the time to jump in and nourish and nurture the adrenals and get all the good sleep and do all of the things that I know I should have been doing all through my 20s and 30s. But, you know, I'm a rat bag. Um, <laughs> and and just, yeah, like set myself up for really good bone health and skin health and gut health into the later part of my life. Because I kind of like, I'm really pumped about life at the moment. Now I just want to live for so long. <laughs> I love it. And you know what? I actually love the perimenopause phase and supporting women through this because – It's such a cool time in life where I think you're refining everything and you're getting rid of the shit that you don't need anymore and, you know, you're really supporting yourself as a woman. And, yeah, I'm like I'm not ready for it right now, but I'm also excited for that phase of life. So, yeah, girl. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, it does feel like that. It feels like a a real sort of decluttering and it's sort of like, oh, let's just make things clear and good. So. How about you? So I honestly feel like the last couple of months have been 
uh, I was saying to a friend, I feel like I've just been like on the, like hit the treadmill and just been go, go, go. And I have just come out of um, a week of the flu and then a week prior to that supporting my partner. So I'm feeling like there's been a lot. So in terms of my hormonal hails, I was like, is there a hormonal hail? I don't know if I've had one. Although actually I have been taking a new supplement over the last couple of months, which has broccoli sprout powder in it. And I have to say, I think it has, I've always been more on the side of maybe heavy bleeding, but my bleed has definitely decreased. And I think it's just been really supporting my Mm. um, estrogen detox pathways potentially. Mm. So yeah, that could be my hail in a time where I didn't think I had one. Maybe I do. (laughs) Um, And my fails, I really feel like I've been quite... uh, PMSy, and I posted something to our Instagram the other day about this this um, partner, and the the girl was like, "I want to break up with you. I'm leaving. This is over." And he's like, "Okay, darling. So, what do you want for dinner?" And I was like, "Oh my god, that's just like encapsulated my last couple of weeks." <laughs> and then I got my bleed, and I was like, "Oh yeah. I mean, I do." I do think the luteal phase, you know, brings up stuff that it needs to, and it's really amazing for that. But yeah, I feel like I've probably been on the extreme of that this phase. (laughs) Yeah. Like if you've got all that extra stress and whatnot going on on top of your luteal hormones, that can definitely sort of tip you over into that area where perhaps those issues are real, but maybe they just don't need to be discussed right now maybe we can wait for a nicer time or a a time when you know you're feeling a little bit more connected a little bit more grounded to actually bring up those issues and and they will keep coming up if they're not discussed Mm. but we don't always need to um deal with things in the heat of the moment I think totally and this is something like I've always said to uh our patients as well it's like the stuff will come up in the luteal wait for your bleed because it's very intuitive to like you know make sure it's the right decision and then make the decision after the bleed and here I am like okay so where am I going to move to um (laughs) what am I going to (laughs) do anyway yeah so let's jump PCOS polycystic ovarian syndrome or polycystic ovary syndrome because it's pretty common and I'd Mm. say you know, for me, I, I know that everyone attracts different t- types of clients in their clinical practice. I've attracted a lot of PCOS clients, so I've seen heaps of women with that condition. And it's really interesting because it seems like medically they're told that it's a, a lifelong sentence. Yes. And that they have this for life. And I had this just with a client the other day. She said, oh, yeah, my doctor said I'll have this for forever. And it's like, because they've never cured PCOS, whereas we have. Yes, absolutely. Know that it's completely fixable. And we were just chatting this morning um, off air about that. It might be your area of weakness, though. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that if we cure your PCOS or we heal your body's PCOS, that if you then go and, you know, drink a ton of coffee and get really stressed out and eat junk food, that it's not going to come back. Mm. And just in the same way that for me, if I stay up late and drink coffee and don't exercise, I'll get anxious and have poor sleep. You know, that's my area of weakness or I might get a bladder infection. But I won't get PCOS. That's not my thing. But for you, if you if you're someone who has been diagnosed and you've gone through a healing process, if you then let things go a bit, it might come back. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you um, mentioned that at the start. You know, I think 
in clinic, we see so many times that people are given this diagnosis and they think it's their life path. And I, in fact, was given this diagnosis in my early 20s. And I have absolutely no signs of PCOS at this point. So I fully think I healed the PCOS, but it took me to do that for myself before I was like, oh, you can heal this because Mm. all I was being told was you can't heal this. This is your life, blah, Mm. blah, blah. And it's pretty damning, you know, particularly when they're like, oh, your rate of miscarriage and all the things that they kind of put in the scope of it as well. So let's break it down. How are people, well, I guess this has shifted over the years, but now how are people diagnosed with PCOS? So it's a syndrome, not a disease, which means that it's a cluster of symptoms or a cluster of clinical signs. And there's a criteria called the Rotterdam criteria. And so someone would have to have two out of the three criteria in order to be considered to have polycystic ovarian syndrome. Do you want to go and break down the criteria for us? Yeah, absolutely. So the three parts to that are oligomenorrhea. So basically you have a cycle that is really all over the place. Um, There's potentially an ovulation happening quite a bit there. So ovulation isn't occurring. So often we see cycles that are like really long. Sometimes um, you might have a short one in there every now and then, but cycles can go up to you know, 90 days. I think when I had it, I was having a lot of 60 day cycles. And then the second one is the ultrasound. So back in the day, that was kind of how everyone diagnosed it, but it is not, if you have just been diagnosed through your ultrasound, please go and see your doctor again, because ultrasound alone is not a way to diagnose PCOS. So on the ultrasound, uh, they will check out how many follicles are on each ovary and they will diagnose it if they believe Uh, there's too many follicles. So back in the day, it used to be more than 15 Mm. per ovary. And then the third thing is um, hyperandrogens. So having excess androgens, which you can sometimes see on the individual, but we can also do blood tests through your doctor to diagnose whether you have high androgen levels. Yeah. So the androgens are the male hormones, more male phenotype hormones and some women will get um, higher levels of facial hair or darker hair or darker body hair or they might get hormonal acne with that or you can also get male pattern baldness is another one that occasionally occurs I haven't seen it very often with my PCOS patients Um, more I see the acne and occasionally a bit of dark hair growth And that's from the higher levels of the androgens. And I think, you know, just reflecting back on what you were saying, um, Talia, about if if you've been diagnosed via an ultrasound alone, go back to your doctor. I'd even say, how about go doctor shopping? Yeah. Yeah. I think finding yourself a good GP is so valuable. I love my GP. Having someone who really listens, who understands you and who has a, you know, maybe even an interest in your your health area that you um, that you need help with, someone who actually really cares about PCOS and women's hormones and is willing to sort of go the extra mile and figure out, okay, you don't just have this thing. It didn't just happen. Like nothing really has just happened. <laughs> Most of our diseases that we have today are in response to a lifestyle that's not conducive with health. Mm. So let's look at that, you know. Let's look at some of the nutrients that might be involved in in ovulation or in hormone production or in insulin secretion and, you know, come go back down the line, go deeper and figure out why has this person got PCOS? Because I can guarantee you 
if you want to fall pregnant and you've got PCOS, you're not going to want to take the pill because that's the really only medical um, solution for PCOS. And for a lot of women, they just don't want to anyway because it doesn't make them feel very good, but it's also not fixing the problem. So let's go and fix the problem. We can totally do this. We have the tools and we just need to be smart about it and we can fix it. So it is estimated that around, I think, 10 to 15% of women have PCOS, but I know you were saying there's a pretty damning percentage that potentially aren't diagnosed. Yeah, about 70% they think. Yeah. And so whether that's just women not going to the doctor, like I know I've talked to friends of mine who have like really irregular cycles and I'm like, you know, that's not normal, right? <laughs> and they're yes. like, oh, yeah, it's just like less of a hassle because I don't get my period all the time. I'm like, well, it's your body saying something, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so for those that are diagnosed uh, is due to insulin sensitivity. So for everyone diagnosed or undiagnosed, it's definitely insulin sensitivity, I think is like a really big thing. And to be fair, I think most people, human adults and probably children as well in the Western world have got insulin issues. Like Mm. I think we're responding to a mismatch between our diet and lifestyle and our genetics and therefore we have a little a lot, most of us have got a little bit of insulin resistance or a little bit of blood sugar dysregulation and so you know maybe they don't come up on a classical blood test as, as having elevated fasting blood glucose or yes. elevated insulin but they're definitely at that subclinical level I think most of us are unless you're like super onto it super fit and eating a very 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 clean diet yeah absolutely and I love Lara Bryden's book uh the period repair manual manual and she goes into PCOS in a little bit of detail in one of those chapters in there and she talks about three other kind of drivers which would be, you know, alongside the insulin sensitivity and those being adrenal PCOS driven by stress and inflammatory PCOS. So often if there's gut things going on, sometimes we can see on the CRP in terms of blood tests and post-pill PCOS. So really interesting, those, you know, few concepts as well being additional root causes of PCOS itself. Mm, Or driving that insulin resistance that's really sort of Mm. core central to a lot of women who have PCOS and it seems to be increasing I I think it's um the numbers of people who have this condition is certainly increasing and I think that there's probably multiple reasons for that I think probably the exposure to plastics and toxins and chemicals like our bodies are just these days our bodies are just bathed in chemicals you know Mm. and it it comes to me in flashes every once in a while when I'm talking to friends and they're like oh yeah I've been dyeing my hair since I was 20 and I'm like whoa that's a lot of hair dye and then you know for a lot of people especially women they're putting on acrylic nails and then they're might have perfume or they might have a deodorant that they spray all over their body every day and some makeup that's got lead and crap in it and it's like well, no wonder, you know, like we just can't process all of this and they're all interrupting our enzymes and our signaling, you know, receptors and and hormones that it's like, well, no wonder everyone's sick. Like, hello. Because a lot of them are endocrine disruptors. And I think, I think we've talked about this in one of our previous podcasts, but I think it's roughly, they say, you know, the average woman, by the time she gets up, gets ready for work, she's already put on 150 chemicals. And I read this pretty damning study the other day um, for a book I'm writing at the moment and it was talking about microplastics and they are actually finding microplastics in babies and placentas now, which is pretty awful. We can't um, completely put ourselves in a bubble. Yeah, absolutely. But 
I guess we do our best and that's what our podcast is about too. And so don't, you know, freak out, but we do our best where we can. So how do we do that? We try and avoid tap water. We always drink filtered water. If you can get filters on your showers, great. That's amazing. And your baths. Try and opt for, you know, organic or natural uh, products in terms of your skincare and everything you're using in the house. And in most cases, like I think we've spoken about before as well, you know, it's I find it a much cheaper option. Like bicarbonate vinegar, not expensive. Mm. A one jojoba oil, not expensive. <laughs> Being really low maintenance, not expensive. <laughs> not expensive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so you've been diagnosed with PCOS. So what's your first line of approach for your patients with PCOS, Talia? Definitely diet. So we chatted about this in an Instagram post this week and it definitely got a lot of traction. So I guess my first thing in terms of balancing blood sugar levels, because that's what we want to be doing, is to be ensuring that you are not having coffee on an empty stomach first thing in the morning. And I know a lot of people do it. Most of our patients do it. uh, But that is definitely a way to completely just overhaul the blood sugar level first thing in the morning. So what we want to be doing before we have, I mean, ideally having that coffee at like 9 or 10 a.m., but if you want it, you know, earlier than that, just ensuring that you're having a good source of protein before that. And for some clients of ours, initially, it's just like a handful of nuts or a hard boiled egg. I mean, ideally you want to get to a point where that's actually your meal, but we may need to work with some things in terms of balancing your hormones so that you're actually waking up hungry. Cause a lot of women don't wake up hungry. And to me, that is like a red flag that there's something going on there. So then in terms of breakfast, I try and keep like your starchy stuff out of the breakfast, but definitely you can be having those in your lunch and your dinner. So trying to keep breakfast like quite high proteins and fats is ideal and fiber. And then during the day, if you are having foods that do have, um, you know, starch or complex carbohydrates in them, always trying to pair them with a fat Um, and a protein. So say for instance, we're talking about pasta. So we're having pasta for dinner. Great. So let's put a protein in there. Let's put like a really good wild fish and let's put some good fats in there. So let's put an olive oil in there, maybe some hemp seeds as well. So just ensuring that, you know, your meals aren't really starchy or carby, that you're actually getting the pairing of those macronutrients. And I think a big one too, which I see a lot with our patients in clinic is just ensuring that you're eating regularly. So many women aren't actually really nourishing themselves enough and that can really have issues with our blood sugar levels as well. So for some women, particularly if they're mums and particularly if they're breastfeeding, I actually recommend that they split lunch. So I'm not saying increase the size of your lunch, but actually split it into two. So you've got your breakfast in the morning, then you know a few hours later you have half your lunch, then a few hours later other half of your lunch, and then you have your dinner. So you're getting those regular meals. You're usually not snacking in between those meals and those meals are a good source of protein, fats, all the macronutrients, and you're having those regular meals. So your blood sugar stays pretty balanced. Yeah, I think certainly avoiding like any really high sugar foods or even like sugar in general, you know, like we don't really need that in our diets most of the time. It's okay as a treat every once in a while, but definitely balancing blood sugar and paying attention to protein. Protein is your friend. Mm -hmm. If you have PCOS in particular, protein is your friend. And then balancing that out with loads of veg. 
and less carbs. Certainly, I think your body just has a hard time, harder time processing those carbohydrates. So, you know, trying to get your carbs, you still get carbs, but getting them more from plant foods rather than from like the grainy foods. So more like sweet potato and pumpkin mm-hmm. and carrots and the root veggies rather than necessarily going for like white rice and white pasta and things like that, which require your body to actually donate nutrients in order to break them down. So they're sort of like robbing your body of nutrients, which can which can further exacerbate the insulin resistance and PCOS. And I am a herbalist, so of course I'm, you know, bang on about herbs all the time. I don't recommend any specific herbs um, unless I'm seeing my patients face-to-face. So I really try to avoid giving herbal advice over a podcast or over Instagram or something like that because I feel like it's, it's actually doing a disservice to the patient mm. but also to to the industry, to the um, to the knowledge that we have spent years and years learning about. I don't want people just going out and grabbing herbs and going, oh, that's totally fine. It's okay to do some experimenting on your own, I think. But if things aren't working out, then definitely book in to see somebody and have a proper consultation and see that you're actually getting the right things for your body and that someone's looked over your blood work and that what you're taking is actually matching up with that um, blood work picture and as well as your symptom picture but I use herbs a lot and I I just have such magical results you know and you see women who have you know had really irregular cycles and you know hormonal acne and whatnot come in and you're like oh look your next cycle is probably going to be a bit shorter but I don't want to I don't want to give you too much hope and then they come in and they're like oh I had a 32 day cycle that's the first Mm. time in years and I'm like well they they do work really fast like they are magical they're just they're so powerful herbal medicines. Um, so they're there and they can really work. So if you're struggling with polycystic ovarian syndrome, whether you want to fall pregnant or you don't want to fall pregnant, you just want to have a regular cycle and make sure that your body is healthy because PCOS women are at a high risk for diabetes, for gestational diabetes, for cardiovascular disease because of the inflammation, because of the insulin resistance. And so if you're not, you know, even motivated to get your period regular at least be motivated to fix your overall health so you can reduce the risk of those chronic diseases and you need some support with that definitely book in for a 15 minute free consultation with us just so that we can see if you're the right fit and that we're the right fit for you Um, because there's so much that we can do in order to fix your cycle like you know looking at your nutrients that are involved in insulin signaling looking at things like magnesium and zinc having a look at your inflammatory status sometimes like you Mm. said like for you the gut was probably driving it a lot and so you might herbal medicine that's just for PCOS might not be the thing for you because the root cause might actually be this gut inflammation and and eating the wrong foods for your body and maybe you've got a bit of leaky gut going on and until that's fixed it's not going to come back online or it could be really stress driving your condition and until we get you sleeping well and actually regulating your stress levels throughout the day the PCOS is going to persist so that's why I think sometimes talking it over with someone and really sort of like getting your case teased out so that you understand it really well and it looks really clear in your mind oh that's what's going on for me then you can start to really go through the process and heal that and get your body back to feeling really good and looking really good and ovulating regularly and hopefully having babies if that's what you want to do and avoiding babies if that's what you want to do (laughs) yeah and healing your PCOS because it's totally totally doable Yeah, and I think that is probably the biggest take-home thing here is that if you have PCOS, it is totally healable and just book with us and we can definitely support you through that. So, and the one more thing I just wanted to mention before we sign off is Mm. a really great podcast that I listened to recently and it was on the Huberman Lab podcast and he's 
pretty interesting guy. Like he's very sciencey and there's a lot of great info in there. And if you're painting your house, I can recommend <laughs> some really good <laughs> podcast to get you through that experience. And one of the ones that I've listened to twice now, and it's quite long and I am, I am not a person who will commit to anything over sort of 45 minutes usually. And I think these podcasts might be like two hours long, but I've listened to it twice. So I can tell you it's, it's worthwhile. It's the, um, interview that he does with, uh, Sarah Gottfried and she is just like a powerhouse. I, the information coming out of her brain, like she's super, super smart. And she's also a feminist. Like she's just a total babe. And uh, she's written a few books on women's hormones and she really breaks it down. Like she got, she has a big section on PCOS in there and she breaks it down and talks about how PCOS is possibly a women's response. It's a rage response to the patriarchy and to having to sort of like do so much and that that's sort of driven this insulin resistance and driven our adrenals to work really hard and that it's like a – you know, it's an unhealthy response to having to be part of the patriarchy. And anyway, I just thought it was a fabulous, you know, sort of metaphysical or psycho spiritual approach to a medical health condition. And I really love the way that she breaks it down and talks about that condition, PCOS, as well as a whole bunch of other female reproductive conditions. So um, there's a little plug for the Huberman podcast. And if you want to take a listen to that, and if you've got any questions for us about that as well, if we support those conditions or if we do that sort of testing, because she talks a lot about testing, then um, give us a holler on our website, hello at thehormonespeak.com. And we'll get back to you and let you know what we can and can't do and whether we can help you with that. Yeah, absolutely. And you've just, to finish up, um, reminded me there was a book I actually read, which is The Metaphysical Anatomy of the Body. I don't think I've said it completely right, but you'll find it. It's this massive book and it goes into all, you know, the emotional elements of uh, syndromes, diseases, all the things, any ailment. And it's really interesting. And I remember when I had PCOS reading it and it was really talking like yeah very similar to what you're saying it was talking about how it's when women are too much in their masculine and I so saw that in myself and the women around me that I knew that had it at the time and the patients I was seeing I was like oh my gosh yes I can really see this with everyone so yeah really interesting so that super sort of yang really doing really like you know, overachieving, overachieving, never stopping, go, 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 drinking, drinking co- the coffee, drinking the coffee, run going the for 10Ks. The runs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That was totally my life. And really not, mm. it's funny. I mean, this is a whole podcast on its own, but I really felt like I only really dived into my feminine in my preconception journey. Like prior to that, I felt way more in my masculine, even growing up and everything. Yeah, I can relate to that Super too. And I, and I had to go through that with my own preconception journey. And I noticed that a lot with the other women that I'd see in preconception. I'd be like, you're in your brain. You're thinking too much. You're doing too much. This is the time to be feminine, be in your body. And it's like, yeah, I think the same thing with PCOS. And I think this is possibly also why... There's that research, I posted this a little while ago on our Instagram, research showing that mm. a mindfulness practice, I think it was it was quite profound. It reduced like um, inflammatory signaling or insulin resistance in women. It was only like 10 minutes a day of mindfulness practice. And it almost like, you know, these small things that we can do on a daily basis can actually really change your physiology. So we don't need 
huge medicines in order to fix PCOS. Sometimes it's like, have you having apple cider vinegar every day? Are you having some olive oil every day? There's great research out there for that with PCOS. There's really good research on spearmint tea and mindfulness. Oh my God. What if you just cured your own PCOS at home with some salad dressing, (laughs) spearmint tea (laughs) and some earphones and sitting down and doing some mindfulness? Like, Hey, you could do that. How empowered would you feel? So yeah, it's, it's totally fixable and there's great stuff that we can do and it's not super hard. It's actually yes. pretty easy. Yeah, I agree. And don't opt for the pill, definitely. <laughs> so to finish up today, have you got some funny things your kids have said? Oh, my God. They are just nonstop Your kids are funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's been so many funny ones. Well, my oldest goes to school and she was telling me that I think when they, like, do good in school or something, they get a, a badger from the office. A badger? <laughs> what is a badger? It's a badge. Oh, cute. She calls it a badger. A she, badger. And she calls her cardigans the cardigans. <laughs> But the cutest thing the other day, she'd said this a couple of times, and I, I really feel like my oldest in particular is a very cosmic child. And she told me that she's talked about her pre-birth um, a few times and she's got a star that she calls her star because she come, came out of mum's tummy first and it was already there. She could see it as soon as she came out of mum's tummy. But she's told me that um, she felt herself come down from the stars and goes twirling, swirling, swirling, swirling through my pelvis and then come out when she was born. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty magic. It was pretty that's magical. That's not funny. That's amazing. Yeah. Yep. It was Aww. pretty amazing. It's pretty special. That is special. Okay. I think mine need um, some language warning. Well, one of them anyway. So I have two which have just been hilarious. So we have recently enrolled my eldest in Steiner for next year. And the other day we were just sitting around doing something and he was just nagging me to watch Bluey. Mom, can I watch Bluey? No, darling, we don't watch TV in the morning. Mom, can I watch Bluey? And I was like, darling, did you know that Steiner doesn't really want you watching TV? They think it's not that great for your play. And he looks at me, he goes, what? They're crazy. (laughs) I was like, oh, I love it. And then the second one. So we live very close to the road. Our house is like almost, you know, on the road. And the other day, me and the boys were just getting ready, putting our shoes on. And this guy drove past. And whether he was talking to someone in his car on the phone, I'm not sure. But he was definitely pretty irate. And he's driven past going, fuck you and fuck you. And I was like, oh, great. And then my two-year-old looked at me and goes, mummy. Fuck you. (laughs) I tried not to give it too much, though, because I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. My kid's going to go around in public going, mummy, fuck you. (laughs) I'm surprised at how little my kids swear, considering what comes out of my mouth. It's it's actually quite astounding. We've had this talk, and I think both of us are very similar, where I'm okay with swearing as long as it's not derogatory. Mm. Yeah, In the like case the of mummy, fuck you, might have been a bit derogatory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're so cute. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Yeah. So nice to see you all again. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Hey, sexy hormoners. That's it for us this week. 
please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. And if you need more help with your hormones, we're always here for you at The Hormone Suite Clinic. You can find us at thehormonesuite.com or on Insta at The Hormone Suite. Bye. Bye.